Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, I've used this joke probably every single time we preach from Romans, uh, but I cannot even say the word Romans or read the book of Romans without thinking of my Bible college professor, Dr. Tatum, who would say, today, class, prepare as we go Roman through Romans. I know, terrible Bible cheesy jokes. Uh, But today we're Roman through Romans a little bit. Romans chapter 8. Uh, you, you, you can turn there if you have a Bible. If not, all the words will be up on the screen. Uh, we are continuing today, really concluding a series that we've been in for the last number of weeks, simply entitled this, Hope, the Anchor for Our Soul. Hope, an anchor for our soul. And we've been talking about the hope the Bible says that we have in Jesus. Now, in case you haven't been here, I would encourage you that you would grab one of the uh, workbooks that are provided for you as you walk in. There are study guides to help you uh, kind of go deeper in the sermon. I would encourage you to grab one of the workbooks, go to the podcast and catch up. Uh, but in case you haven't been here, let me catch you up quickly. We've been talking about Bible hope. Someone say Bible hope. Bible hope. We've been talking about Bible hope. And we've been talking about how Bible hope, it really is different than the hope you and I grew up on. And maybe this isn't you, but I, I, I grew up on the kind of hope that really is just wishful thinking. Like, can you think of that present you really, really wanted that Christmas or that birthday and you, you hoped you were going to get it? You're, you're hoping, wishful thinking, I hope this works out. I hope she calls me back. I hope I get the job. Oh God, I hope you're listening. It's wishful thinking at best. And we, we've kind of grown up with this, this cultural idea of hope that, yeah, man, just, you know, get your hopes up. And really what that means is rub your lucky rabbit's foot and cross your fingers and let's just hope for the best. But that's not Bible hope. It's not Bible hope. It's not what the Bible teaches or talks about. Rather, the Bible talks about hope that is a confident expectation of good that is to come. Let me say that again. The hope the Bible talks about is a confident expectation of good that is to come, that is founded in the word of God. We talked about this last week, but but, but again, just in, in, indulge me. When, when we go to God's word, God's word like a master artist paints a picture in our heart of the vision or, or the, 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 the purpose, the plan that God has for us. In, in every circumstance, in every season, in, uh, in, in, in life, whatever we're walking through, we can go to God's word and we can say, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need wisdom for this. God, God I, I need you to give me direction, understanding, whatever it may be. And God's word, it gives us a picture in our heart of what God desires to do. Hope is founded in God's word. It's this picture in our heart that you can close your eyes and you can go, no, I know. I have confident expectation of what God will do. I'm not hoping, it's not wishful thinking. I have confident expectation of what God will do. It's a picture in my heart that God has given to me through his word. We've been talking about how hope actually is a super big deal because Pastor Gill preached a sermon kind of around the idea that, that faith always proportions itself to hope. 
In, in other words, if you can see it, you can believe it. But if you can't see it, we're not talking about physical eyes. We're not talking about our natural perspective. If you can't see it in your heart, the reality is you, you won't believe it. And, and, and my friends, faith, it is the currency of God's kingdom. From beginning to end, faith is the currency of, of God's kingdom. Uh, even starting at the very beginning, salvation, what does the Bible say? That anyone who would believe in me, Anybody who would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they shall be saved. What does Romans chapter five say? That we, we've been given access to all of God's grace. Access by what? By, by faith. And by faith, we have access to all the fullness that God has freely provided. Multiple times in the ministry and life of Jesus, he would say to people, according to your faith, let it be done for you. We read in Luke chapter two, uh, Mary, upon receiving this incredible picture, uh, promise of what God would do, conceiving in her womb the son of God, she says, surely all things are possible to him who believes. There's nothing impossible uh, with God according to or by our faith. Faith matters. Faith is a big deal. Here's the reality. If you don't have faith, First of all, you, you won't be able to receive all that God has for you. But secondly, you won't actually have the ability to do or walk in the word or ways of God. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And here's what we talked about last week, kind of in, in short, that when we don't have hope, when, when we don't have a picture in our heart of, of what God has promised, when we don't have a confident expectation of that which is to come, we are reduced to self-ruled, self-governed living based in wishful thinking. I'm just gonna do the best I can to figure things out for me and for my family and figure out the best thing I should do and just hope it works out. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there's a way that seems right to a man. Do you know that? The Bible says there, there's a way that seems right to you. In all of your education, in all of your research, in all of your Facebook and Instagram scrolling, in all the conversations around the lunch, lunch table and the dinner table, in all of your investigation, there are ways that legitimately they seem right. But the end road is destruction. Oh, my friends, if we want to live the life that God has promised us, that God has provided for us, we cannot live a self-ruled, self-governed life based in wishful thinking. No, we have to live a life of obedience, obedience to the word and the ways of God that is grounded in a confident expectation that God is who he says he is. And he will do all that he said he would do. Can I get an amen this morning? I feel like that's good preaching and we're just in the introduction. This morning, what we're gonna talk about as we conclude, um, however, it is the reality that our hope, this confident expectation we have, that it is not based in temporal things. It's not based in temporary things here on earth, but rather it is grounded in the eternal the reality of eternity and the reality that Jesus, he will return. And when he returns, he promised that he will bring us to a place. He is preparing a home for us that we call heaven. Romans chapter eight, we're asked you to turn starting in verse 22. 
It'll be uh, the text that we use as a springboard for for our our study today. But Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 22, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, If you don't have that version, no worries. The words are on the screen. The Apostle Paul's writing, he says this, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, we groan within ourselves, listen, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. I want, if you're taking notes, you could circle, highlight, underline that, that phrase. It's kind of the, 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 the big idea today that Paul says, we were saved in this hope. He's not talking about the American dream of bigger, better, more. He said, no, the hope, the confident expectation that we were saved in is hope of eternity. It's an eternal hope. It is a groaning within ourselves saying that, that, that life here on earth is not our home. This is passing. This is temporary. And Jesus will return and renew all things. He goes, we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees? Again, we're talking this morning about how our hope, it is based not in the temporary, but it's based in the the eternal. If you're taking notes or if you have a workbook, the title of today's sermon simply is that, Hope Eternal. Hope Eternal. Have, have, have you ever in life, um, in any area, noticed a discrepancy before? Has it ever happened to you, whether it's at work or in your personal life? Have you ever noticed a discrepancy, <clears throat> something that you believe to be true? Maybe you were taught this thing. Maybe you grew up just assuming this. Uh, but something that you held as a truth and, and life or experience has taught you that thing you hold as a truth is not actually a truth. Has this ever happened to you before? I know this morning I'm, I'm a little bit self-imposing kind of my upbringing on you, but, but, but I'll tell you, I've noticed in my life discrepancies in, in what I was raised or what I grew up assuming and believing to be true. And here's the thing about discrepancies. Discrepancies can can leave you kind of in a precarious position. For for example, uh, last week in the sermon, I used a running example. And I don't know if it's because I used the running example that I got the invite, but mysteriously on Monday, I got a text uh, from, from a good friend of mine, one of my favorite families, people in the world, uh, Matt Shaw texted me, hey, my father-in-law told me you were talking about running on Sunday. You wanna go running this week? And I'm like, absolutely, you know I do. He said, awesome. Me and Andrew Payton, one of our worship leaders sitting here, we're gonna go running on Thursday, trail running, eight o'clock, you should come. I'm like, yes. Now, let me tell you the reason I said yes to this is because we've had many discussions. And P.S., a lot of times my discussions, I'm investigating. And so it's not that I don't care about, you know, Andrew and Matt's running condition, but, but I'm really trying to measure up to go, like, if we ran together, will I die? If we ran together, will, will I survive? And so I gathered through conversation. You know, Matt always says, like, you know, no, I, I run slow. I run slow. You know, maybe, you know, nine-minute, 9.30 pace. And I'm like, I could do a nine-minute, 9.30 pace. 
So we go running on Saturday, or I mean on Thursday. And, and we are running, and my body is quickly telling me there is a discrepancy in the information that I held to be true. And this was confirmed upon my watch when we hit mile one and mile two, and we clocked in at about an 820 pace. I said, I, I, I cannot keep up. Now, it put me in a precarious position because we were trail running. And about the time that I realized I'm, I, I don't think I can make it, I realized I also have no idea where I am. And so if I decide to just stop right now, they're far enough ahead, they will keep running, and I will just be here lost in the woods, uh, which doesn't sound bad all the time, but at that particular time didn't sound ideal. D d discrepancies can do that. And I, I, I grew up with, with this idea, and for, 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 forgive me for being playful, but I grew up with this idea that if I gave my life to Jesus, and if I gave him everything that I had, that everything was always going to work out. That's, that's the information that I, I grew up with. Now, this isn't anything that anybody necessarily ever taught me. This is just the conclusion that I drew. I grew up with amazing parents in an amazing home and an amazing church uh, where I was taught things like, like faith, like believing God, like uh, putting your foot down and saying, no, the Bible says this. And so come hell or high water, I'm not leaving this reality right here, which by the way is good Bible teaching. I grew up with Bible truths like 2 Corinthians 1.20 where it says, for all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. That God is our healer. God is our provider. God is our protector. Like this is how I can tell that like we're a spirit-filled church, but we're not like all the way Pentecostal because in some environments I'd be saying these things and already there would be eruption and clapter and someone would be running the aisle. Uh, that is not this church. But God's our healer. He's our provider. He's our protector. He is our wisdom. He's our comfort. He's our counsel. All of these things are realities. See, I, I just grew up, though, because I hadn't, I hadn't experienced may, maybe the realities of, of the other side of life, that we do live in a fallen, broken world, that we live in a world that has been infected and thus affected by sin, and so things like pain and hurt and, and division and dissension and, and suffering and all these things that, that are this other side of life, although we, we have been given precious promises by God, we're affected by these things. The Bible says we are not of the world, but we still live in the world. And, and it didn't take me very long upon graduating high school, getting married, starting a family of my own, being in pastoral ministry to, to get just enough experience and exposure to go, wait a minute, there is, there, there's a discrepancy here. Wait a minute, this, this can't make sense because like I know people who love God and, and I know people who who legitimately, they're not perfect people, but they're putting all of their faith and all their confidence and all their trust in God. And yet life is not working out the way that, that I think that maybe it was, it was supposed to work out. How can there be pain? How can there be suffering? How, how, how can there be these things that they're just not right in the midst of people's hearts and lives that, that have put their full weight on on him, and it was a discrepancy that, that really disturbed me. 
Because here's what it told me. It told me either, either all, all these things that I've held to be true are not true or, or I'm just not doing it good enough. You ever felt like that before? Like, like, like maybe the issue's with me. Maybe I'm just not praying enough. Maybe I'm just not believing enough. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. But you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have watched that show on Netflix last week. Maybe I'm not holy enough. And, and, and so what happened in my life, again, I'm, I'm kind of just self-imposing, but what happened in my life is I started doing the best I could to build equations. Have you, you ever built an equation before? And I started building equations. Okay, well, if I just, if I do all of these things right here, and I'm gonna create a box, and if I do them within this box, and, and then if I do them at this frequency right here, and, and if, I, if I don't do this, and here, here's my box of, of I'm not gonna do, and, if I, and, and I started to build an equation that if the issue's me, maybe I'll just do it as perfect as I can, and then everything's gonna work out. And, and, and life has taught me that that's simply not, not the truth. And what I realized the issue was for me was that I'd, I'd kind of got the facts wrong to begin with. See, Romans chapter eight, verse, verse 22 through 24, for me, is, is one, one of these passages that has been so impactful in my life. And we'll actually just go back and read it one more time. Starting in verse 22, Paul writes, and he says this, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Verse 24, for we were saved in this hope. Pause. Can I be honest enough to tell you there, there were year, a couple years ago that I read this and I had to stop because I realized that's not the hope I was saved in. I was saved in the Americanized version of Christianity hope. I, I was saved that in, in this hope, in this confident expectation that I'm gonna trust God and believe Jesus and everything's gonna be hunky-dory. Everything's gonna work out. It's gonna be rainbows and cupcakes and unicorns and it's just gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. And, and what I realized upon investigation is that the hope the Bible teaches is not a hope that is found and grounded in things here on earth. The apostle Paul says, no, 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 in this hope, we have been saved. Well, hold on for a second, Brandon. Are you telling me that, that we should kind of just hunker down and hope for eternity because, because like all the things that we hold true are not true? That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that, that we, we have to realize that everything that we experience on earth is but a, is but a taste is but a sample, is, is but, a, is but a, uh, a, a first fruits of all that will fully be realized eternally. Like, have you ever been to Sam's Club before? I, I've been told that you can tell a lot about a person by whether or not they shop at Sam's Club or Costco. I don't know what that is, but I've been told that's true. Think about it for a second. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but apparently it says something. But I used to love going to Sam's Club and Costco. I used to love it. I'd go with my parents and I used to love it for one reason and one reason only, and that is the samples. Can, can I get an amen? 
It, it's not truthful, but every time I hit up the sample lady, I say, can I get one for me and one for my two sisters? And whether or not my sisters ever saw those samples, I cannot, I cannot say. Um, but, but like n- n- no one gets mad or frustrated or cancels their Costco membership because of the samples. No one goes, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this establishment. Well, why? Well, I'm done because of your sample, sir. Every time I get a sample, it leaves me wanting more. Your samples don't fulfill or satiate me at all. They, they do not do for me what Ruth's Chris does for me. Your samples are flawed. Well, no, because we realize it's a taste. But I know a lot of Christians and a lot of people that they have canceled their membership, if you will, to trusting God, to believing that God is a good and a faithful God to believing that all of his promises are yes and amen, to believing that God is ever present, that he will not leave us, that he will not forsake us, that he is one who works all things together for the good of those who love him because they fail to recognize that everything on this side of eternity is but a taste of what will only fully be realized eternally. See, we, we, we live in a tension, and the tension that we live in is the tension that we have a fuller revelation of all of God's promises than what will fully be realized here on earth. I, I, I heard a story one time. It was a fictitious, not true story, um, but, but, but I heard, heard a story one time about a man who was caught in a snowstorm, and he had nothing but T-shirt and shorts on, and he was about to die. The man comes up next to him very prepared, more prepared than him. He said, hey, you're in luck. I got enough for me and I got enough for you. He gives this man some snow boots and snow pants and the jacket and the toboggan. And he even had an espresso machine with him and he makes this man an espresso. And he's sitting there, he's warming up. And he said, how are you feeling? The guy goes, it's still cold out here. And he, he smiles and says, well, yeah, it is because, because we're in the middle of a snowstorm. But this too will pass. What, what a picture of what God does for you and I. The Bible says God is ever present. That God will never leave us. He, he will never forsake us. And he is all sufficiency to all things that we have need of. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our wisdom. He is our comfort. He is our counsel. And he comes alongside and fully clothes and cover us with all things that we need. And yet there's so many people that go, well, it's still cold out here. It's because, because earth will never be heaven. And yet we put a heavenly expectation on our life here on earth. And can I tell you, my friends, that is just not what the Bible teaches. That all through the Bible, the hope, the Bible says we are to cling to, it is an eternal hope. If you're taking notes or, or you, you have the book, you can write that down. Simply that reality that our hope is eternal. It is not temporal. The hope that we have in Jesus and the hope that we are told that we are to cling on to is not a hope that is temporary, but it is a hope that is eternal. God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and we can experience heaven here on earth. We just must remember that earth is not heaven, and thus our expectation cannot be that of which only heaven can satisfy. I think one of the best pictures of this is Jeremiah chapter 29. 
By the way, I love Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 because it's, a, it's an amazing verse, but I love it because so many people have that verse tattooed on their arm and they don't know the context. And I think that's awesome. Um, for I know the thoughts that God has for me, says the Lord, to give me a hope and a future. So bro, I'm just telling you, man, life is, it's gonna blow your mind what God has for me, bro, because this verse, and it's, I, I think it's awesome. But, but I just think that we should appreciate the full context of Jeremiah 29. Because you can see Jeremiah 29, 10 through 11, the, the, the Lord says this, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you then and perform my good word towards you and cause you to remember this place. In other words, God goes, you're in Babylonian captivity and I'm not gonna get you out. That's encouraging. And then he goes, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I don't know a lot of people that have tattooed on their arm Jeremiah 29, 10. We, we like Jeremiah 29, 11, it's just not fully in context. Jeremiah 29, I think, is a beautiful picture for, for, for you and I, and I think that a significant part of why we have it is because it illustrates for you and I our, our life here on earth, because the children of God are in Babylonian captivity, and God comes and goes, hey, guys, I'm not getting you out right now. 70 years, and I, I, I will return, but, but if you track back a few verses earlier, what he says is, but my hand will be with you right here but my hand will be on you right here. And he actually says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to like marry your children. I want you to build houses. I want you to plant vineyards. I, I want you, 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 your kids to have babies. In other words, I want you guys to multiply and flourish and grow right here. My hand is gonna be on you. I'm gonna be with you. I want you to increase right here although it'll be 70 years before I come and you will experience the fullness of the release from captivity. Can I tell you, it is a beautiful picture for you and I of the life we are currently living in tension. That God promised he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and yet we live in Babylon. Yet we live in this fallen, broken world where we are still affected by the weight of it which is why the Bible teaches that our hope is eternal. And secondly, you can write this down. It's point three in the book, but I, I moved it. And it's this, that our joy, our joy comes from our hope, from the hope we have of eternity with him. The Bible says Revelations chapter uh, 21, I believe it is. Revelation 21, starting in verse three, reading all the way through verse six, it says this. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. He said to me, write for these, these words are faithful and they are true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the waters of life freely to all who thirst. 
Did you know the joy that we, that we have is not one that is supposed to be primarily fixed on, on things temporary here? Have you ever met a roller coaster Christian? What, what I mean by that is they're up one day, down the next day. They're full of faith and expectation one day and they're down in the dumps, discouraged and confused the next day. One day they're here in the front row like, yeah, sing it again, Pastor Spencer. The victory belongs to us. And the next Sunday, Pastor Spencer's like, lift your hands. And they're like, no. I actually, actually I, 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 and, and, and they're up and down. Why? Because for so many of us, again, we, we've misappropriated scriptures and ideas about hope and about our expectation. And we've put them all in temporary things here on earth. And as life goes, so does our joy. As life goes, so does our sense of being, being able to trust God and believe in God. And, and I think of, of Paul's writings in 2 Timothy chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, where Paul says this, for we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Is that so opposite to 2022 or what? I'm losing heart, why? Because things don't look good. He goes, no, we don't. We actually don't lose heart even though our outer man is perishing, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Listen, for our light affliction, which, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are, uh, which we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul writes and he says, our joy, it's not a roller coaster. Our, our ability to be renewed and full of life and faith and, and be, to, to, to be fulfilled and have contentment, it is not a roller coaster depending on circumstance. He says, no, even though the outward man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Why? Because my hope is set not which in in, in that which is seen, but in that which is unseen. Can I tell you that the hope we have is first and foremost one that is to be set in that which is eternal. And our joy comes from eternity with him, not the temporary getting of the things we so want and, and desire. You know, one of the things that has happened to me the older I get, and um, I, I used to not like this, but I'm becoming more and more okay with it, is uh, I'm having to agree with my parents. Did, did, did you, has this happened to you? Do you remember this? Like, you know, things your parents used to always tell you, things your parents used to say, it's you're like, I'll never. And then the older you get, you're like, huh, they're actually pretty smart. <laughs> actually, I, I, think they, I think there was something to that. One of the things that, it didn't bother me, but, but I like, it, well, it kind of bothered me actually, is um, that my, my dad, which by the way, is our senior pastor, Pastor Gill, that uh, he, he's just never been impressed by things. I, in my immaturity, I'm impressed by everything. You, you, have a, you have a talent, you have a skill, you tell me a cool story, you take me to a cool, I'm like, this is amazing. I remember going to a coffee shop with my wife in Washington, D.C., we were there for a ministry trip, and when this coffee shop, and we, we walk in, and I was like, babe, this is the greatest place I've ever been in. And she goes, what is wrong with you? We haven't even had a cup of coffee. I'm like, the vibe is, I'm very easily impressed. And, and my dad's just never really been like impressed. My dad, did you see that? Yeah, it's cool. 
Dad, did you, isn't this the greatest burger ever? It's fine. One of the things that we used to always drive me crazy, I'm like, Dad, this is the greatest burger ever. And he goes, yeah, we're going to eat tomorrow. Like, not, not a big deal. And, and the, the older I get, the, the more something in my heart saying, I, I want to be like that. I want to be less swayed and impressed and consumed with the fleeting, temporary, passing things on earth. If, if you're taking notes, you, you can just write this, this final thought down, but it's simply this, that this eternal hope, it really should be determining and dictating our passions, our priorities, and our pursuits. You, you know, more and more what, what, what I want is I want a life that, that, that looks like men and women of God who be, because of an eternal revelation, they have maturity. That, that they live with great spiritual maturity, not because they know more than you and I. They live with great spiritual maturity, not because they're more disciplined than you and I. They live with great spiritual maturity because they have an eternal perspective on life. The, the Apostle Paul writes this, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he says, therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, and knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. But we are well-known to God, and I also trust are well-known in your conscious. What Paul is saying is e eternity, it, it's affected me. Can I, can I ask you a question? Has eternity affected you? Or, or is it just a distant idea that somewhere in the recess of your mind you think you know is true? Or has it deeply affected you? See, e e eternity seems, seems to have deeply affected the writings of all of the New Testament authors probably because for, for most of them, they were actually there. How many of you know when you're actually there, it's different than when you get a secondhand account? And for many of the New Testament writers, did you know they were actually there? That they had firsthand experience because they saw Jesus ascend and heard the words, I will return soon. They were deeply impacted by eternity. Paul seems to be deeply impacted by the reality of eternity in saying, I make it my aim, no matter what season of life I'm in, to be well-pleasing to him. Why? I just, I can't escape this reality that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Did, did you know that that actually is, is a truth? That, that it's not just good preaching, it's, it's not just bad preaching, it's just, it's just a truth. It is what it is that all of us, we will stand in a real way before the judgment seat of Christ. We won't give an account for our sin. No, the Bible says all that's been covered by the blood of Jesus. That, that in one sacrifice, he has forever perfected those who are still being made holy, he, Hebrews 10, 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103, that he heals all of our diseases and forgives all of our sin. No, your sin, my sin, it's been covered by the finished work of Jesus. But, 
but we will stand before God and we will give an account for our post-conversion life. What, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is we'll give an account for how we stewarded the minutes and moments we were given. Do you know that? We'll stand before Jesus and actually give an account of how we stewarded the relationships we were given, the opportunities that God gave us. The money in your bank account, you will give account for how you stewarded it in light of eternity. Maybe this is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, Matthew chapter six, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, live your life with eternity in mind. Eternity should, should be changing us. Our passions, our pursuits, our goals, our desires, our priorities, they should be deeply affected by the eternal reality of Jesus' soon return. Can I ask you this morning, all of the energy you are spending, your, your time, your money, your pursuits, your thought, the end goal, the target on the wall, can I, can I, just, can I just ask, is it one that has any eternal significance? Is there anything in your heart that says, no, God, I, I, I wanna be deeply impacted I, I, I want to deeply know the weight of eternity and I want it to change me. Or are we just chasing the passing, chasing the fleeting, hoping by chance the next accomplishment, the next achievement, the next mile marker will somehow bring the joy and fulfillment and contentment we so desire? My friends, can I tell you, it never will because fulfillment is only found in one place. That is him. I want to read you two scriptures as we close, just in succession. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says this to a young, a young son in the faith, Timothy, but I believe he says it to us this morning. He says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. In the time of my departure, is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved. One translation say, says, and who have longed for his appearing. Is there anything in, in, in your gut, any, anything in, in, in your belly that longs for the return of Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that there's a lot of minutes and moments of my life that the answer is no, not really. What I long for is the next thing on, on, on my list, the next thing that I think that I need, that I need to achieve or accomplish or do, but Bible seems to indicate that equation, the Americanized version of Christianity that so many have ascribed to, it's flawed, it's empty, it's counterfeit. 
that the things of this world, they will never satisfy and fulfill. It is eternity from, from the foundation. Eternity is what our hope is to be set in. I want to be like John who writes this. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. More and more, I want my heart and my life to reflect that. Jesus said he's coming soon. Jesus said he's, he's, he's returning quickly. Jesus said that he's preparing a home for you and I right now as we speak, that is at the right hand of the Father interceding. He's praying for us. He's cheering us on. That right now Jesus is preparing for us a home and there is eternal reward that is waiting for anyone who will long expect in anticipation his return. It's hollow, it's empty, and it's cheap when our longing and our hope is in things that the warranty only lasts three years and is gone. No, my, my brothers and sisters, I want to be someone that says my hope, my full weight, my joy, my expectation, my, my life's been shaped by, by the weight of eternity. And here, here's where I close very anticlimactic. I, I, I've wanted all week long. I've been trying to think and pray and ask God. I, like, I want like a, a, a good closing to a sermon. I've heard it said that a, a sermon with, with, without a good closing is not a good sermon. And I'm like, I need a good closing, God. What's the big ta-da? The big, just do these three things. And here, here's the reality. There isn't one. There isn't one. Be, because the weight of eternity deeply impacting our life it's something only God can do on the inside. There's no three steps to having an eternal revelation. There's no equation to having a deeper revelation that impacts your life of eternity. It's a God thing. What it challenges me to do is to say, God, I, I want to keep on coming to you. And I want to keep on posturing my heart in such a way that says, God, change me. God, mold me. God, shape me. God, change the desires of my heart. Jesus, give me a revelation of eternity that changes me. Because I'm, I'm just trying to be as honest as I can up here on a Sunday morning. It hasn't all the way yet. I have not arrived and my active prayer is, God, I need eternity to change me. I need a revelation of the eternal to change me because my passions and my priorities and my pursuits, as embarrassing as it is, they can still be so consumed and wrapped up in things that are fleeting and passing that Jesus says, do not put your treasure there. It won't last. I need, I, I need a moment like I had when I was 17 years old. Has anybody ever made fun of you but like it was productive in a way and it like it really changed you. I, I was graduating high school and um, for a season I thought, not really, but kind of like, I think I could really make it playing basketball. I really was into basketball and I just didn't realize that I had both height and uh, jumping ability limitations that would limit me from my professional aspirations. Uh, but I was playing basketball all the time at the YMCA, all the time. I was doing dumb things like waking up at 4.30 in the morning and playing Monday through Friday from five to 7.30 because that's when like the best games were. And, and one of my, my very good friends lovingly 
but he wasn't trying to be loving, made fun of me. He goes, man, so when's the draft? And I said, what? He said, yeah, man, I heard that, you know, I heard next week might be some scouts coming out, the 5 a.m. games. Yeah, you, you getting ready. Do you think you're going to get drafted in, in, in uh, y, y ball this year? And he, he was totally making fun of me in a way saying, what are you doing? You're such a dork. Why are you so obsessed with playing basketball? Like, dude, basically he was saying, grow up. And, and as silly as it is, I, I remember that moment. It shifted something in me. And it did something in me that was like, wait a minute. This is dumb. This is such a waste of time. Why am I so consumed with, and it, and it shifted me. We need the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation, maybe just of some priorities that are way out of alignment. We need God to, to, to convict us maybe of some areas where that's, it's not that it's bad, but that, that is not where, you're, where your life should be, be fixed right now. We need the Holy Spirit to wake us up and say, hey, this whole thing's temporary. It's fleeting. It's passing. This is not your home. And he will return. And when he does all things, he will make new. And when he does, he will wipe away every tear. He will once and for all bring healing and wholeness to our frail bodies. He will cause all the hurt and pain and disillusionment to be settled. We will be home with him and there will be eternal reward that is waiting for those who set their life accordingly saying, God, I wanna long for, I wanna love, I wanna have anticipation for your return and for my home with you, not for things that are cheap, temporary, that's a God work, my friend. That is, not, that is not the work of a sermon. That's a God thing that has to happen in you and I. And I pray today that God does in us what only he can do. As we close, just with you sitting right there, would you mind just closing your eyes and bowing your head? And I, I just wanna kind of in, in this moment, real, still very worshipful. I, I just wanna ask you, would you take a second and would you maybe under the sound of your breath, would you just ask God, God, do that in me. Come on, it doesn't have to be loud, but just in your own words, can you just respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, do that in me. Jesus, I don't want to be so focused and so enamored and impressed by passing things anymore. God, I don't want money to hold me captive anymore. God, I don't want some illusion of success or fame or fortune to have handcuffs on my life. God, I don't, I don't want to be enamored with the past. And God, I want the weight of eternity to consume me. Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit, you would do a divine work in every heart and in every life you'd give us a deep revelation, a deep awakening that Jesus will return. And when he does, the hope we were saved in will then be realized. I pray for everyone here this morning that they're currently battling with the effects of 
of this world. They're currently battling with, with sickness, with ailment. They're currently battling with frustration, with depression, with circumstance and situation that may be adverse. And I pray that God, you'd bring comfort to their heart this morning and you would help them to know that you are their healer, their protector and their provider. And while they may be feeling the weight of the world, this is not their home and you are coming quickly. And when you do, you will bring fulfillment to all that you have promised. I pray like a good friend who brings everything you need in a snowstorm, that God, you would be through your spirit, comfort to us this morning, knowing that you have not and you will not leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray no longer would we be on the roller coaster of spirituality, our hope going from high to low. No, I pray that we would have a constant, steady joy and contentment and exhilaration thinking about the reality that you will return. You're preparing a home for us and that soon, soon, all things will be renewed, restored. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.